0: All right, we are live. Hey, good day, everybody. I am Jeff Freeman, your host, and welcome to the Curse of Oak Island and Beyond live stream. Uh, We're joined once again uh, by the Team Templar North America group of Wayne Murphy, Gretchen Cornwall, and Sean Williamson. Um, This is part two of a presentation that we started two weeks ago, uh, which is where part one is. And if you haven't seen part one, then I I would really suggest you go and take a look at it. It's available on YouTube. It's also on Twitch and, of course, in our uh, Facebook group page. You can find uh, part one there. Um, And in part one, it allows us to go in and know a little bit more about Wayne, Sean and Gretchen and a little bit more of their background. So if you haven't seen that, I would suggest you do. And uh, kind of, I think we get started with how the Knights Templar made their way in from Oak Island and Nova Scotia down into uh North America. So, um, with that, I would like to turn things over to Wayne. Wayne has quite a bit he'd like to get through today. So, Wayne, welcome again, and uh, the floor is yours.
1: Well, thank you, Jeff, and um, Team Templar North America would like to welcome everybody, Miss Gretchen Cornwall, and our master. Artisan Sean Williamson in Scotland. One of the things that Team Templar is trying to connect is why is there Templar markings in Wisconsin? Mm -hmm. And this has always been an elusive struggle for a lot of people, including myself. So I started going through some old documents from the 1800s. And one of these was from a missionary by the name of John Sargent. Mm-hmm. And he was interviewing a Stockbridge Indian through his interpreter. And apparently this was a Captain Hendrik Uh, Forgive me if I'm not pronouncing the name correctly. But um, this would have been, he was uh, born about eight, 1757 and he died about 1830. And he was telling this amazing story about the uh, history, how the The knowledge is passed down. The elders tell their stories to young men and train them for years to repeat these stories so that they can keep their culture alive Mm -hmm. as they didn't have a lot of writing and things like that. And one of the markings of the cross pate that I found in Wisconsin, um, Native Americans didn't deal with steel implements. Mm -hmm. And, boy, I was really hoping to find something that would say that. Well, this missionary wrote down what he said, and he oh, says, wow. as our fathers had no art of manufacturing any sort of metal, they had no implements of husbandry, there was not able to cultivate their lands, but little of that planting, Indian corn, beans, and squashes. So he was, he was uh, pretty telling there that they didn't have no use for that and weren't aware of that. And how do the Templars come into this country and uh, meet the Native Americans and survive?
2: Mm
1: -hmm. Um, Captain Amupat, he wrote a letter to Thomas Jefferson when he was president. And um, it's, it's it's an amazing thing. When you read history, historians would like you to believe that Native Americans were standing on the shore begging for nuts and berries as they come. Mm. But this is what he wrote. He says, we are the descendants of those tribes which your forefathers found on the banks of the Delaware and Hudson River. They were the original owners of that country. They were then powerful. Your forefathers at that time were as children, at which time our forefathers had pity on them and put them in their bosoms and gave them the land to live on So that's the way it was. It was uh, the tribes were very powerful and um, were able to deal with any type of of adversary they could come into. And uh, Captain Hendricks at one time, he said within an emergency, they could they could have a thousand Stockbridge warriors available to them at any time. Wow. Well, as he tells his story, um. They, they talk about their religion and things of that knowledge. And he talks about knowledge of the gospel and how it was brought to them. And I um, always found that interesting. Somebody had to bring the gospel to them, and it certainly mm-hmm. wouldn't have been the Vikings. You know, so that, that brings me to the, the temple, our connection. Right. And he was telling this story— about, I want to make sure I get this right. Um, The historian, too, informed Dr. West that his people once possessed the good book given by the Great Spirit, but having lost that power to read it, they had buried it with a chief, and it is too much to believe that they did not possess the Jewish scriptures. Well, in 1815, Joseph Merrick he was he was from Pittsville and he was doing some uh, plowing for a field well he, he was working on Indian Hill which was a Stockbridge burial ground and he uncovered a parchment enclosed in watertight and hard thick leather having the appearance of a portion of the trace of a heart of a harness well I later found out this is tefillin, uh, and it's a Jewish reference to a covering that seals old testaments oh wow
0: that's fascinating. well then
1: that by itself is great news Mm -hmm. but but the investigators in me says you got to have more so i found about four other very good descriptions inside of this when they opened it up the parchment was written in hebrew characters the identical passages of scriptures which the jews use as phylacteries and it tells about seven or eight Old Testament verses. Wow. And the Stockbridge people possess this. Like I said, um, Vikings? I think not. Templars? Yeah. Probably. Mm-hmm. Makes sense. Well, let's uh, fast forward to Wisconsin. So I'm going to bring you to a PowerPoint and then we're going to get Mr. Sean Williamson to give you some of his great knowledge and we'll see Gretchen in the tomb. And here we go. All right. This is a little disclaimer that all the property of our Team Templar is copyrighted and protected. And uh, this was the original cross pate that I found on the rock. And Sean, at any time you wish to comment on this, what you see, please feel free to do so. Any thoughts on this, Sean?
3: I'm not I don't seeing know if you it. You can see uh, that very well. I'll just scroll up a bit and see if it's underneath or somewhere.
0: I see a bit of a cross pattern right there in the dead center. Is that uh, is that what we're looking at?
1: Mm-hmm. Right here. I don't know if you can see my cursor yep. moving.
0: Yeah, we can see the mouse. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yep. yeah. I see it there.
1: And wow. if you notice, as it tips a little bit to the left, it almost looks like there is a circle here. Yep. Well, that sure does look like that cross they found on Oak Island if it was inverted, wouldn't it?
0: Yes, it does.
1: And there it is. So you can see that um, Gretchen was able to tie that into it with information that that was coming from a lead mine in France, I believe, Gretchen? Mm -hmm.
2: Yes, that's correct. And um, uh, I believe that lead mine shut down in around 1340 and through there. That uh, had been active from, uh, through Roman times, but that is the ore from that lead cross is from southern France. Mm-hmm. Uh, GARD, I believe, G A R D, in southern France.
1: Here's another shot of the, the cross, Pate. And um, you can see the more outstretched arms and some of the splaying on the edges. Sean, are you able
3: to see that better? I, I can't for some reason I'm not picking that up, Wayne, but I've seen it in any case, and <clears throat> I refer to the uh the, the the markings that we'd seen in the stone last time, uh suggesting that the material was granite and you know you're gonna have to have a specific very good steel chisel to make that kind of impression into rock, mm-hmm. which obviously those uh Markings are well inscribed, incised is the word, and you know these markings are all over the all over the granite stones, and the you know the natural outcrop, the tomb, etc., does suggest that at some point in time, it's been almost like natural stone geological. Uh, Fractures replaced and built to uh, to create you know to create the area, the stones around the tomb. I believe that the the tomb was a natural phenomenon, and they rolled the big stone down onto the top. Mm-hmm. you know it's reminiscent of the stone that uh, or feels a good way to describe it, I guess would be the stone that they rolled before the tomb of Jesus. That's the way I like to to think about it, you know. But I've seen very, very similar uh, mechanisms in the tomb of Celts in, in Scotland as well, whereby they found stone that they only had to move once and made sure that when it dropped into the gap that there was, that it fits exactly now to my mind that that shows intent it shows you know working out dimensions working out a, a way to do that and actually do doing it it doesn't to me suggest that by chance it rolled in and it happened to be the right, right size that right. stone in the tomb fits perfectly mm-hmm. and you know you've got the other incised markings cross pate, uh, triangles, often often used as a sign of the Trinity and other more esoteric meanings. And the crosses, uh, you know, I'm, I'm wanting to in- come over and investigate further, uh, you know, and take it forward with, uh, with Team Temporal. Of course I am.
1: What we're seeing now is it- here uh, is um, the outside near the entrance, the east entrance. And right up in this area here, you can see a triangle, which would represent the Trinity, and here is the outline of a fish. Oh wow! This is. Sean and I, I are
2: both. Uh, Sean and I are both on our cell phones here, so uh, when the screen is divided into four, our capacity to see greater detail is is uh, reduced. Okay. So it just as an aside. See if I can. Uh,
0: yeah, there's not much I can do to fix that, unfortunately, with it being uh, presented this way. I can't make it bigger. So, um, But I can certainly see that. I mean, here, you know, I understand on your cell phone with a, such a small screen, it's going to be hard to view.
1: And what Sean had me do is when I would take a picture like this, I would convert it to black and white. And here's a, another uh, larger. Here's the triangle again. And now you can definitely see the the outline of the fish. And this let's is see. on the eastern side of the outside of the tomb.
0: See. I might be able to. Let's see if I can. Lay out. Let me try this real quick. There oh, we go. Okay. There we go. That's a little bit bigger picture of it there. There you can. If you want to uh, back up and look at that one, then maybe that makes it a little better for Gretchen and uh, and, and Wayne. Is, does that some. help?
2: Thank you
3: no I uh, don't familiar. seem to be able to see it but I think I think Gretchen's
2: I'm familiar. you know she's
3: been there she's seen it yeah I mean
2: yes um, uh, absolutely and the you know the triangle is not only a sacred uh, uh, reminder a, a thousand words in, a, in an image um, but it, the triangle is often used as a directional marker as well and there is much yet to discover and to investigate as to what the purpose and meaning of of the triangle is and as to where they were trying to guide us if that was their intention uh triangles were were upside down triangles represent feminine energy earthly energy and the upward facing is is he- heavenly and um, uh, male in context so it can also be directional and so here you have a, 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 ch- a chalice triangle if you will next to a, a fish on the eastern entrance which Sean uh, or excuse me which Wayne, said that he used to be able to to fit through, but now the the uh, very large boulder uh, has slid down the, the hillside there and, and closed that gap. But you can still see through it.
1: And um, when I make this one black and white, it brings out the resolution a little mm-hmm. bit better so you can yeah. see. Um, And that
0: fish fish is very clear. I can see that fish very well, even in the tail and everything. That's, uh, yeah, that's remarkable.
1: And some of these things I didn't find um, until later on, um, after I got a little bit more experience. I still could use about 40 more years worth, but uh, I'll do with what I have. And I think it was important to show what was on the outside of the tomb before we get inside. And we'll see here. Let's uh let's take a look and see what's inside the tomb.
0: I'm going to go ahead and keep the uh keep the view like this uh because I think it's better for the members uh, to be able to see it like this. So as long as that's okay with everyone in the in the uh, uh the, all, everyone viewing, I think we'll leave it like this for now so we can get a better look at these pictures because these are fascinating. Go ahead. You you can see the round rock that Sean
1: was talking about. It's uh-huh. it's very large and it's all flat faced on the front here. Um at one time, this is the, the south and the north entrance. Um, this part of the rock where you can see I'm moving the cursor, I believe it was sitting up here at one time and the forces of nature just rolled it down and it come in. Um, by itself here, it looks like it's pretty easy to see, but it's not. And as we get in, here, we're going to start to try to get inside of the tomb. You have to climb over this large rock in front. It's about a three to four foot drop inside. Um, you can stick your hands out and touch the walls. It's probably seven to eight feet deep. Uh, the ceiling is over eight feet high. So a, a person could lay down in here easy and uh, have have no trouble at all. You can see that bo- all the walls are, are flat. and perfectly uh, uh, perpendicular to each other. And this is another uh, scene of it just in black and white to try to help bring out some uh, better detail. And Sean's eyes, uh, it's unfortunately that he can't see this, but um, once he gets there, he he has saw other pictures that are proprietary and was able to uh, make out some really interesting marks. This is looking directly up through the ceiling. I'm not sure how much this has changed in probably 700 years, but this is about all you can see uh, for light coming through. Was it built this way uh, intentionally or through time and forces of nature? Did it end up this way? Um, I'm not sure, and that's why it's important that Team Templar gets its feet on the ground. Here as we go into the tomb, this is to your right, as you go inside of the tomb stepping over the large rock, you can see how the rocks are are, are smooth as a wall. This is the back side of the tomb, and you can see how everything's at 90 degree angles. Mm -hmm. And um, now here's where it gets interesting. Once, when, when I was in here 40 years ago, I, I had not a clue what to look for. And it was through Gretchen and Sean's help that uh, Gretchen, at the time she was here, I was able to uh, uh, find more things and uh, develop a better, better sense of what was going on. This is the east entrance of the tomb. Um, 40 years ago, you could walk through here. And, and uh, Gretchen, if you would like to talk about this East, east the meaning of this East entrance?
2: Well, uh, it is in, in uh, uh, all of Christian history, church building, cathedral building, that one faces East. And that is significant for this opening because uh, the sun rises in the East. It's also... Uh, a way to look towards uh, Jerusalem, which at the time was considered to be the center of the, the universe because that's where Christ was born. So all, you will find that all churches face east. And significantly, um, Viking burials would often, North Scandinavian, were, were usually oriented north-south. So, so this is a change in culture here and recognizing the rising sun. And uh, astronomy played a huge role. We, we don't have to think about it today uh, because so much is done for us, but when it's your life and you're traveling into unknown lands, you have to know where the sun, moon, and stars are. And these uh, gentlemen did. They did know, and they, they did inherit that information from their genetic uh, ancestors, the, the Norse. And uh, there is a direct DNA uh, transmission to the Templars and uh, a change of, of, of faith and also uh, of looking, a way of looking at the world. So that's the, the long and the short of it.
1: Yeah, thank you, Gretchen. Um, when I was doing this research um, through this translator, he told one of the, he told a missionary that the Indians were very much aware of the constellations. And um, they called the Big Dipper and the Little Dipper the bear. And they knew exactly where it was. And um, the serpent mountains that, that are in um, Ohio and uh, West Virginia, they are laid out in an astronomical way uh, to support the direction of these stars. Now I found it really important about this term the bear and that a lot of the Indian tribes were aware of these constellations and everything. So I went back and I was trying, well what's the significance of this bear, the north star and that and it was rumored that the the Sinclair's used this north star to come to America. Well some of the reading about that wasn't too friendly and that it never happened. Well when you start looking up the bear, it's, um, it's found that the Phoenicians used it, the Chinese used it. Um, um, they used it in Arab countries. The Hindus also used it to navigate. So coming to America wouldn't have been much of a problem for the Templars following the North Star. Now you throw in finding the Hebrew um, Bible verses uh, buried with an Indian chief in, in on, on Indian Hill. And then I'll, now you come fast forward to Wisconsin and then you start to find these triangles and fish marks. And uh, we're going to see what else is in a cave. This is on the back wall of the cave. I don't know if you can see it very well. This is a close-up. This is a... Uh, a cross pate that's in the back wall. There is another one here. And as I take the picture out, this is a black and white edition. I don't know. you see that, Jeff? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can. There's actually three of these here, and they'll become more distinct as we go along. Um, Sean, I certainly wish you could see this. Uh, I know when you were on your computer at home and we discussed this, you saw so many fascinating things.
3: Yeah, absolutely. Well, you know, cross pate uh, associated, obviously, with the Templars and Christianity. Uh, But just going back to the boulder in the tomb, in my estimation, that was the, the hand of man. That was, you know, we've not got a cathedral masonry team here, but we have got labor, we have got some chisels, we've got bits of this and and a little bit of that, we're going to make the best of this tomb so that people can recognize the hand that created it along with the marks, or at least give them, you know, intimations of that. I think that boulder was uh, was was not an act of nature or God well maybe god but definitely uh that was that that has been calculated to fit that entrance and rolled into it on top and i've seen as i said before seen very very a lot of similar uh stones in the front and dropped down into the front of celtic tombs in scotland uh so for me there's a link there somehow uh and the other thing that I thought would be interesting in context to uh, the Sinclairs was that they were of Viking descent in any case. And, you know, the Templars... So you've got a direct Viking conduit there into the Order, but you've also got them employing Viking shipping masters because of their ability to navigate by the the stars, including using... Loadstones, uh, magnetized uh, needles, that type of stuff. Which that practice was met ma- was mainly uh, kept very quiet because it was seen as, uh, you know, almost like witchcraft. So the, the papal Spanish Inquisitions were looking out for people using those techniques because they wanted everybody to believe what they wanted to believe, which was that the earth was was flat so several things going on here with that and you know if we we reverse engineer the whole situation from uh, the original natives perspective they talk of these European visitors all the time and we know the uh, the fantastic strength of the natives the the Mohicans, the Mohawks, the Abenaki, uh, uh, to some extent the Micmac and uh, Iroquois. You know, a small group of Templars, if they hadn't been respected, or a small, a couple of ships of of, of men and, and women or whoever came from Europe, could have been probably easily dispatched, or at least oh, yeah. driven driven away, or driven to flee or, or some, somehow, you know, mm-hmm. so there must've been in my mind, an interaction between, between the cultures.
2: Yes. And it's important to note that the, uh, Scandinavian, uh, uh, peoples, the Norse, they were never conquered. Uh, they voluntarily converted to Christianity, and you do see a crossover period in their uh, stone artwork between uh, the past. You get all these, you know, winding serpentine formations amongst the incoming uh, uh, northern Celtic uh, Christian influences. Mm -hmm. So they transmitted their their uh, skills, as, as Sean was saying, and I wrote about this in my first book, the different navigational devices that they would have had access to as time went on, such as the Viking sunstone, which was mm-hmm. regarded as a uh, ominous magical talisman that yep. helped you locate the sun on a cloudy day, along with the lodestone, uh, Peter... Uh, Peregrinus uh, discovered the properties of the lodestone, magnetic, and he was uh, around. And the uh, he was uh, under the auspices of, I think it's the king of Sicily. I can't remember exactly what time, but but certainly very early on. So he he uh, was the Leonardo da Vinci of his day and was devising. Warcraft uh, uh, objects uh, for his for the king of uh, Sicily, his patron. So there were any number of of devices available and in use to a very secret level, and a sample of a Viking sunstone was found in the navigation box of a sunken Elizabethan ship. Yeah, I heard the about that. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So there's a clear transmission of information mm-hmm. and navigational devices down through the centuries.
0: And it's amazing how they would have been able to decipher that. I mean, like that that stone you and I've forgotten the name of it already that you mentioned. It's the one that looks like a piece of quartz that they would hold up that we'd be able to see the direction even in the cloudy yeah, day.
2: Optical like
0: Yes. And I mean, it that is only
2: found in. Yeah, it's only found in in uh, uh, that area of Scandinavia mm. uh, that you can only get it there. Mm. So it's it's quite the quite the item and a, a high technology of its day. Oh, Our absolutely. Own military military governments around the world they're not going to give us their best technology what we're yeah. using now <laughs> was considered a big secret going yeah. back decades so mm-hmm. you know goodness knows what they have today available to them
3: yep now.
0: that's exactly so. right and yeah. how they figured yeah. that out yeah. i mean that just blows my mind how they mm-hmm. were able to figure that out that they could use something like that but yeah,
1: can you, yeah. can you start to see the the pattern jeff here mm-hmm. um how the templars would have had the ability to get here how they needed to interact with the native americans now you oh, find a, you now you find the hebrew scrolls buried in the um, and dug up by someone who wasn't and he actually took it to his clergymen and they're the ones who were able to decipher that it was written in the original hebrew form and able to decipher what um testaments they were referring to in the old testaments mm-hmm. so it it certainly does give a lot of credibility to where the native americans would have gotten this from and how they move further and as we were going back to the cave i'm going to get you back into the cave here because there is i think we can see the faint outlines of cross pate's and this black and white one um really helps to see it a little bit better but what i found this is i really like this picture for a lot of reasons there are three cross cates here there's one here and there's one here and there's one here Mm -hmm. and sean from uh, when he was examining them he he found other things punch marks that he can refer to that I, i don't have the skills but I give credence to this because it reminds me of the, the cross of Christ and the two thieves that were crucified with him. Why would oh, these yeah. be in? Now you have the round stone, right? Hmm. Um, the stone, the, the 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 grave that Joseph uh, laid, uh, that Jesus was laid in. They had a round stone on top of it. Now mm-hmm. you've got this tomb. Now you've got three crosses in the tomb. Wow. We start to see a connection here.
0: Oh, absolutely. And that's not so I didn't I had not thought of that. That's fascinating. Well,
1: there's even more. All so right. We're gonna, we're gonna take you along a little bit. And this is a black and white photo, and obviously now you can see the difference. How this will allow you to see a little bit more detail. And this was Per Sean. He he guided me through this.
0: Oh yeah, definitely. You can certainly see them there. Wow.
1: And this is just a different angle of the crosses and Sean when he was looking at this on full screen um he saw several punch marks. Sean, do you remember
2: um, yeah, 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 yeah. talking
3: about yep. that? Absolutely and uh when we immediately I saw you know the work of a you know rudimentary point was used to define or make a a relief ledge or carving. I've seen it before, but it was repetitious. It was the same mark, almost like similar to the punch hole effigies. uh, Sorry, the the punch hole on the Westford Knight, the effigy, that they were able to sort of join the dots to create uh, Sir James Gunn. And there were similar markings in the stone. And I, you know, I think we're only seeing the tip of the surface here. And once we start to do some uh, intermediary investigation around the base of the rocks and, you know, some excavation squares, you know, I think there's going to be some really fabulous things found on other levels because, you know, on the main during a period during, you know, you get rises and fall in Earth's surface. And on the main, it's uh, it rises the Earth level in specific areas. There's a buildup of Earth matter decay, and it builds up around the rocks. So you're not actually looking at ground level. In fact, it's on a slight uh, camber or slant in any case, but once that Earth is removed, there's going to be some more uh, fabulous things found i think
0: um i'd like to ask too if i may um what what exactly does the cross paté mean i mean does it have a specific uh meaning behind it that uh, i know that some of the members are asking and and i'd like to know myself i mean i you know, what do you, what's uh
2: Well, uh, I'm sure Sean has info on that as well. The equilateral cross is a symbol that that spans the globe, and it it often is a symbol of the the sun itself. Mm -hmm. But uh, a cross pate is a very specific Templar device where the the arms of the cross, it's it's tiny in the middle, and the arms get splayed out and Mm -hmm. become a circle, and that is, uh, over time, you know, we'll all recognize that as a, as, as a compass. And surely, surely uh, Templars uh, were masters of the sea. Mm-hmm. And uh, the four corners of the earth, uh, eight corners, you keep dividing it down, become, become very important. Uh, it's, it's also a description of how they used to function. Uh, you'll often see eight sided towers, perhaps with a pillar in the middle, mm-hmm. and the you'll you'll have your eight members of the cell with the master in the center so eight and the number mm-hmm. nine are incredibly important to to Templarism wow. Sean, do you have any further thoughts on that?
3: Yeah, I've not got my uh, dictionary of 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 crosses but I have seen in a few uh, dictionaries of temporism that uh, the cross pate I forget which one it could be knight grand cross or something like that but uh, there is actually you know it's a it's a sign of a certain knight officer you know right from you start with a knight which is a cross Mm -hmm. then you can go to knight officer knight grand officer and there's a whole hierarchy uh, knight marshal and you Knight sergeant, you know, which is before that, and then you get up to the higher ranks. Originally arriving to uh, Knight Grand Master, which mm-hmm. of course the last Grand Master of the Templar Templars was Jax de Molay, and so that's how the Templars had that particular mark on their cloak. Knight, it could be Knight Preceptor. In fact, I can't remember whether it's Knight Knight Preceptor or. Knight Grand Cross, uh, but they they are defined, and you know. Then there are the elaboration versions of it. But when stonemasons, um, I'm relating this to stonemasonry to some extent because when uh, an operative mason marks his work on the main, he makes it created from straight lines. It's easy to mark on his chisel. That's how he used to get paid, and that cross system that I've just described. Including the cross pate in its simplest form. That's how it was defined on uh, the mark of rank amongst Templars. Mm -hmm. And then, of course, you get an elaboration of that from other orders and via the Roman Catholic Church. So it's, you know, it's complex to unravel, but uh, the evidence is there.
2: Uh, while we've sure got enough. a lull in the system, I just wanted to show share this. This is a very large piece of optical calcite, and you can see how transparent it is. Uh, it is it is quite quite the crystal, and uh, certainly had mythical status in the Norse world. So uh, if you ever catch uh, uh, archaeologist Josh Gates, uh, he's so okay. much fun to watch, but he did have an episode where he uh, uh, observed where this was mined in Norway and also how it was actually used by a uh, Norse recreationist group. They had their own little, they had their own Viking ship, they dressed, they cooked everything. So it's quite the episode, if you can look up Josh Gates. And they would inscribe on uh, a crystal uh, lines so that they could get a, a bearing on the sun. You can actually see the sun on a cloudy day with this. So, with, with uh, lines, you know, a grid pattern on here, they would be able to uh, uh, be a, see, find their way during the day. So, and that's how they did it. Yeah.
0: That's anyway. fascinating. They were able to figure that out. I mean, that that's the part that fascinates me is how did they figure that out? I mean, <laughs> they're
2: closer to nature than we are. We rely on our digitalization exactly. so yeah, much. Yeah, that's very and, and So much is done for us. You know, we've got uh-huh. massive lines of infrastructure from food chains to uh, uh, highways, and you know, so much has been done for us by our our uh, prior decades. Our our grandfathers great-grandfathers you know so we're standing on their shoulders and when you're close to nature you and no tv you've got all the time in the world to come up with ways of entertaining yourself and each other and noticing nature
0: Mm -hmm. and that goes along with the stars too and using the stars for navigation because you know again without all of our modern technologies and modern television things to distract us they spent so much time looking up at the stars and wondering about them, and and what, yeah. and using them for navigation. And they realized that they were able to do that. So that's just fascinating. Mm-hmm. But you're right, without that's the cool. modern technologies and the things that kind of distract us from looking up, that's why the stars were so important to ancient cultures, in my opinion,
1: anyway. So
2: yeah. Life or death. It's life yeah. or death. And-
1: um, one of the things that was mentioned is, uh, as far as the Sinclairs coming was the star called La America, M E R I K A. And uh, they said they used that star. Well, that is the Big Dipper. That's the, I believe it's Polaris, Earth's a mm-hmm. major, Earth's a minor. Mm-hmm. And it sure ties into the Indians knowing about that because there's a, a Stockbridge celebration that involves the bear. And this was well known all over the world. So uh, Native Americans were aware of this constellation where it's set. They even taught their children uh, these things, and they could point out and name the stars. So the Native Americans were very skilled at laying out things astronomically. Mm -hmm. And um, on this, I'm going to take you some more into the PowerPoint, and this was when Gretchen came in 2018. Um, So she's outside of the tomb here now, and as you can see, if you just looked at it, you would, you would just think it's a large rock with trees and stuff growing onto that. So it's, it's a little difficult to find. Um, obviously, I was inside the tomb taking a picture of the entrance with her standing on the other side. Now you get a chance to see the depth of this rock. Um, it's probably three or four feet down, straight down to, to fall inside of here. While we were in the tomb, Gretchen noticed this triangle. This is, as you walk into the tomb, this would be on your right-hand side. I'm sorry, your left-hand side as you are entering and on your right-hand side as you are exiting. But then um, she noticed something else, what appears to be the faint outline of a possible sword. Oh, wow. And I think there's the black and white version. Gretchen, do you remember that?
2: I sure do, and it is in what I would call the prayer position. That might not be the correct term, but, you know, raised, a sword is, the, is an elite object of battle and of high status value, and uh, only a nobleman and a knight could join the Templar order. But in this case, they're using the, uh, uh, a cross pate, a uh, splayed uh, armed cross, as the hilt of of a sword. And it is facing downward, the blade is facing downward in what I would call the prayer position. And it, for myself, it was quite distinctive. And I was so grateful to see another carving, uh, what I surmised was another carving of of, uh, equal proportions uh, within the tomb. And it was an exciting,
1: well, Jeff, you can see when you start to add this up, you have got a tomb. You got the round rock, um, which refers to the round stone in front of Jesus' tomb. You got three crosses, Golgotha, and now you got a sword. Could that sword possibly be the one that uh, was referenced to in the Garden of Gethsemane when um, one of the Jesus' disciples oh, wow. cut off the slave's ear? Mm-hmm.
0: Very well could be, yeah. Isn't wow. that something?
1: All of these things are in feet of each other, in a proximity. As as we've been sitting on this for a while, and it, our next course of action is obviously to get Sean on ground, get our film crew on the ground. But as Sean has explained, there is so much more to find here. And you can see that there's, there's a lot of not just circumstantial evidence, this stuff is carved in granite.
2: Yes. Right. And that's, and that's very not going to be easy to do, to do right? No. So. And, and keep in mind, just as an aside, the the light behind me is the east entrance. So the sword is carved in the prayer position in the, with the east entrance. So uh, uh, just as an aside, um, that narrow gap. And position, and you know, they never did anything. The Templars were very practical, but everything was laced with spirituality. And who knows what else might be there inside the cave that we had not noticed and has perhaps even eroded over, over the centuries. Uh, the weather in, in Wisconsin is quite harsh. You get deep freezes, snow... And, you know, expanding, contracting heat, and that's going to, to erode stone over time. And I was able to triangulate the wear and tear on these uh, carvings with a, uh, a stone off of, uh, out of Ross Castle in Nova Scotia that's now in a museum uh alessandra and her husband tim own the property now but you you could the the wear and tear on the cave and also on alessandra's cross is of similar quality and also of a templar cross on a wall in portugal in a church there Mm -hmm. similar wear and tear and erosion so I believe that we are looking at something that that dates to the Templar historic era or shortly thereafter. But Sean is is the uh, stone master, and I can't wait to see what he has to say about all of this when he's finally on the ground and able to use his uh, decades of expertise and knowledge. Um, I, I have a layman's understanding, but but Sean is the real the real master.
0: Right. And it's like you said, it's one thing to see the pictures like this and to to look at it. But like for you to be there with Wayne and then Sean, you know, coming there at some point and seeing it with his own eyes and actually can, you know, really examine it right there. I mean, that makes all the difference in the world. Absolutely.
1: One of the things that is within the investigation, um, every every investigation starts backwards. The crime has already been committed. Now we just need to figure out who just committed Mm -hmm. this crime. That's why I was so glad to able to tie in um, people from uh, interpreters that uh, 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 missionaries that were interviewing Native Americans and getting their side and able to put these bits and pieces together. Time into the bear, uh, the stars, the constellation, the, the, the finding of the Hebrew Old Testament written mm-hmm. in, in Teflon and things like that, it, it's all pointing to the same direction, the Templars. And this next scene, what you're seeing is some of the stonework that's outside of the tomb. You'll notice that the, the stones are, are are very large, cut into squares. They're faced, and um, I, uh, I, I the original photos are much smaller, so I had to enlarge these, which shows a little distortion in them. But you can definitely see how these stones—some of these are ninety-degree angles and cut at forty-fives. Mm-hmm.
0: Nature doesn't and, do that. <laughs> I don't think so.
1: <laughs> here, here is a much better one. I wish Sean was able to see this, but you can see the weathering on top, and um, and how it's it's cut into a block, and it almost looks like on this one, and it's being worked. To, to made to fit something they're almost like an l shape um again, I apologize for Sean because he doesn't have the luxury of to see this in full screen
3: yeah but um, that's okay thanks wayne I I, I, I I saw enough I've examined the photographs I mean I've just got to get there and take some reverse impressions and stuff and look for some other signs and you know on we go with the kind of a archaeological-style dig uh, in context, and I'm sure that there's going to be a lot more revealed. Uh, this is just the tip of the iceberg. Yeah. Some what amazing I find, stuff.
2: Adi- yeah, what ahead, I find amazing is is that the Mohican uh, tribe would have had the capacity to be in the right place at the right time to have met Templars, and of course, of course, Wayne. You know, you were, you are half Mohegan and and, and born on the tribe, uh, tribal lands. But uh, as your ancestors were were forest inland, we've come full circle. So you know, here here your people are, uh, on this landscape that that the Templars were on, and perhaps even led there by by your own. Uh, Ancestors, so mm-hmm. it's it's quite synchronistic yeah. and and trippy, <laughs> it, yeah. it, it's, it's quite quite boggling.
1: Yeah, one of the amazing articles too. While while doing this research, they found in 1929 a guy was going to put in a pier in New York on his uh, whatever lake he was on, and he found a steel Viking spear point. Really, and um, I have the pictures of it and the description. And they actually took this in and had it uh, tested with the machines that they had, and they figure it was uh, between 900 to 1100 century. Wow! Uh, so you got the Vikings; their travel was possible. They're coming. Everybody's coming to Wisconsin, and uh, <laughs> I think we lay down
0: a pretty good trail so far. You think so, Jeff? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, it totally makes sense too. I mean, you know, making it, you know, and again, going back to the fact that we agree that they uh, were in Nova Scotia area at one point and then coming down the St. Lawrence Seaway and making their way through the great lakes. It's an obvious trip. I mean, why not? And they would take that easiest route to get to where they could, as far as they could go. And basically that's it. That's as far as they could go uh, into the, uh, into Lake Michigan and then make their way inland from there. I think Team Templar's um, done a pretty good
1: job. Not myself. Um, Gretchen and Sean are the historians on this. Um, but we're able to tie into the stars, you know, the navigation, the Indians' awareness of the stars and their uses, the names, the bear, you know, the constellation, the big and little dipper, and also tie it into the Chinese, the Muslims, the Phoenicians. So it, it's this not a fluke. Um, we're trying to lay... Uh, a trail that's probably 700 years old. Mm-hmm. Um, near this next site, when I had originally shot these pictures, um, we probably shoot three or 400 of them. Don't really pay much attention to them. I mean Gretchen would sit down for hours and look at this and, oh my God, here is, we've seen something here. And, but just by changing the camera, your angle of your camera, just by moving over three or four inches, Up and down and all around. And this is a very large rock here. I can't tell you the name of it because, uh, for obvious reasons. But if you'll notice up in here, this is the outline of a bear. Wow. And you can see the front legs, the head, and part of an ear. And also, I just can't wait to have Sean this. You can see the relief carving of this right here inside of this rock. When I took this picture, I was about 40, 50 feet away standing across the river because of the falls there, and there's just no way to get to it safely. Uh, There's an outcropping in front of this rock about four feet, but Harry Houdini, I'm not, and I can't take pictures like that but you can definitely see that this is most likely Native American work. And here it is in the, in the black and white sense. When I took this picture, I didn't realize this tree branch was hanging over the top and I wasn't gonna scale this 30 foot rock to try to move it. And one of the things that I came across was a drawing by a Frenchman in the 1700s of a Mi'kmaq man. And it's it's I think it's important to recognize that when you see this drawing, you can see some of the uh, references to the Templar. On each side of his chest, you're going to see two cross pâtés, and on his arms, you're going to see the symbols of serpents. Now, this was done by Europeans, so this is what... This artist, this is his work, what he did in the 1700s. Wow. So. I mean, that's an
0: obvious connection right there.
1: Yes. And um, uh, Sean has a lot of history on this with the Mi'kmaq and the Templars meeting. And I'm going to put this in black and white for you. I think that really brings it out into detail. Mm -hmm. So you can see we're spending a lot of time doing a lot of research, a lot of um, checking, rechecking, not just using our sources, but everybody else's sources, anything and everything. But it has to be good information. Mm -hmm. We're going to take you to site two now. This is um, my son, Paul. Um, He found this on a hunting trip. We had discussed it prior. Um, this is near where the bear carving is, uh, the markings on the rock. And, um, it was quite a trek for me waiting across the river, not much for him, but time has not been kind. This is a large rock, and once I point it out to you and your eye catches it, you'll be able to see. This is an outline of a fish. Can you see the tail? And then there's a circle, and then there's other carvings. There's a large round circle that's uh, uh, around this. Why? I don't know. I don't have that knowledge. But this is in in reference to the um, old-style Latin-style fish that the Christians used to show that to other Christians where they would meet and that this was a safe house to go into. And this is the astrological sign right over this uh, fish carved in rock. So, Gretchen, we had talked about this, uh, the Pisces. I believe that's the correct.
2: Pisces Pisces. uh, is uh, often equated with uh, John the Baptist, the patron saint of the Knights Templar, and also Christ, uh, his cousin. So it is uh, no mistake that Sean was able, or I'm sorry, Wayne was able to to, uh, to uh, suss out that that uh, that rock was was uh, right underneath the astrological sign of Pisces. Mm-hmm. And as he said, it's a representation of a safe house. But early Christians, you know, if you were meeting somebody on the road. You would draw an arc in the sand or with a stick or with your toe, and then they would come along and draw the other arc, creating a fish sign so that you would know you were safe. And as, as he said, a safe house. So it, it, we're not just looking at a carving of, a, of an important food source, a life-sustaining food source, which it is, but also food for the soul and uh, of a a European hand here, um, but uh, in ally to the tribes that would have been present and welcoming on the land and trading information, trading skills, trading uh, even objects. And I would say that one of the reasons why we have not found, as of yet, any uh, European objects from that period, is that they would have been uh, uh, taken away long ago, or we just haven't found them yet. And they would have been misunderstood as a family heirloom being brought over by a family member, a descendant. So, One of the things mind.
1: about Site 2 here, it's, it's only about 1% explored.
0: Oh wow. So we
1: we haven't even done no groundwork and I I'm, I'm only going to show those two pictures. There's other stuff there but for proprietary reasons and and, it's, and just because Team Templar wants to be cautious. Mm-hmm. You yeah. know, we're we're not trying to uh uh make a ghost appear here. But there's evidence, solid evidence in rock. And um
2: it's a it's important to protect the, the Mohican stockbridge munsee Band lands. This is their nation. And to uh, respect the peoples that, that came before and made these carvings. Uh, the one thing I, I did want to say offhand is that Wayne and I went south to Roche Cree State Park because there are no Native American carvings there. And I wanted to rule out, and I think I mentioned this before, the, the pitfalls of, of cultural misappropriation, which is actually against the law. You can't take the objects, you can't take the symbols of another culture and skew them towards your own, uh, make them into what you would like to make them into. Uh, there are uh, uh, obviously crossovers in pictorial representations uh, mm-hmm. that may or may not mean the same thing to Templars as it did to the Natives. Uh, and they might have found common ground there. But I wanted to respect that, and the native lands, and the peoples. So what I, what I was able to determine is that, that the styles of carving are nowhere near what was done by non, uh, indigenous peoples 90 miles south. These are a completely different set scenario. And as Sean has pointed out, these would have been incised by steel tools. So. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyway sorry apologies wait for interrupting no story. not at all
0: how are we doing for you jeff or uh, we did oh you, fantastic we, you know and and in going Good along stuff. with what Gretchen was saying there is that i i've actually read um the your photo journal that you had on this subject um and saw the pictures that you took um at that yeah. and again i'm going to i the name of the park i've forgotten it already i can't pronounce it i but um <laughs> Uh, but that park, the sh- pictures that you show, it's, it's when you see those pictures, and I, and I urge our members to take a look at this, uh, if you can, uh, get a copy of that book from uh, Gretchen's book. There she has it there. It's a the, uh, photo journal. And it, you can see the difference between the two types of carvings. There's no, yes. they, don't, they, don't rep- they don't look like each other in any way. You can see a definite difference between them. So it's obvious right. that these weren't done by the, the Native Americans in that area at the time. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's just obvious when not. you see them. Yeah. But yeah.
2: I don't know if you can make that out. But, yeah, uh, you can, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, these are uh, different. Uh, very different from what's found mm-hmm. at Wayne's location. And the other reason we're, we're trying to protect the site is, we don't need people, you know, showing up with, you know, their shovels and destroying the landscape, oh, destroying yeah. evidence, and, and these that are, would this is. It would, and this is a nation. This is the sacred lands of of the uh, tribe of the stockbridge Muncie, and the Mohicans. So this is mm. this is their nation, and Wayne is the gatekeeper. The the mm. uh, Elders are the gatekeepers, and we are the incomers coming in and and asking if we might investigate this uh, anomaly Hmm. that appears to have every earmark of it being of of the Templar hand. So we must respect that. And the laws in France, when the whole uh, Mary Magdalene thing, the Da Vinci Code thing kicked off, Ren le chateau had to change the laws in france because people were showing up and destroying property and destroying uh ancient heritage there so you know it's very closely guarded now in in france and we must treat this the exact same way so it's not just our discovery you know it's we're protecting the land and Mm. and the future we're just passing through this is Mm. going to be here a long time after we're gone
0: Right. I mean, there were some back. pictures that you had also shown. I know you. It, right at the end of the book, you had shown some of the pictures of the graffiti that was put on some of the walls there, and and it is it just it just crushes. Oh, your it's, heart. Just a
2: heart, it's just heart. It's so heartbreaking. Like you yeah. know, I, I mean,
0: like that. It's like these are if they only if they you know. I'm, I was going to say young people, and I shouldn't say that because it could have been anybody, but you know, yeah. for them to deface something like that, it, it just blows my mind. It, you, look at what you're causing to the history uh yes
2: and again i don't know if you can see this or not but i was just
0: awful that's all
2: and and there was trash everywhere and i just thought come on people this is a natural beauty a natural phenomenon of great spirit Mm -hmm. and uh the the peoples that were first there put their mark on it but they you know they can destroy it. And and here we all clomp in there and throw our stuff around and spray paint everywhere. And I just, you know, honestly, uh, have some respect, Mm -hmm. really. Uh.
1: Um, The the next (laughs) site I'm going to take you to is uh, these photos have never been released. They're in copyright protection. And um, Sean didn't get to see as much as Uh, Gretchen did, he saw, actually, this is how I became acquainted with Sean. Um, uh, Gretchen mentioned uh, the great Sean Williams, and (laughs) and I I says, well, let me me, uh, see what I can do here. So I sent him a few photos, and uh, this was most likely one of them my My son again Paul, he found this this is what we call site three um he found this in the f- uh, fall of two thousand and nineteen, and we weren't able to get back there till the spring um you'll you'll see some pictures there's some snow on the ground yet, but you can start to see the stonework happening, and he said now he's interested he's hooked, he looks at every rock he says in the woods, and uh, he' just Got a hard time keeping his eyes looking for deer. And uh, this is my son standing over. Um, right behind him is a large rock. Uh, you'll see a better picture of this. Um, I had to enlarge this, and it kind of shows some, um, it's, it's a little different. Like it's out of focus. But you'll be able to, to get an idea, the depth. Here was the rock that was probably inside there, and you can start to see it was worked and i had my son go down into this hole because it's a square hole you can see the things that that show the depth and just get a relative size and as you start to look around here all of a sudden you start to see these rocks which are made into blocks yep and and these are big blocks and some of these are flat and some of these are, are 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 carved and you can see how they're buried under the ground And you have to remember this is a forest. This is miles back in the woods. Nobody's going to carry these blocks and say, hey, let's go in the back in the woods and build a fort. So there is natural rock in the area, so whoever did this was probably using the rock in that area. This is one of the unique rocks that we uncovered, and this was uh, sent to Sean last year where it I think maybe Gretchen referred to it as a, somebody had referred to it as possible keystone. Yes, yeah. And um, underground here, as we uncover it, there's another notch in the other end of it. Uh, again, th- these are not natural rock formations. No, not absolutely not. That's clearly done by man. Yes. And um, only a couple inches of this was sticking out of the ground. So we carefully. Just pull the leaves back enough, the dirt back enough to take these pictures, and then we recovered everything back up. Right. So we don't want to – we're trying to protect things and be respectful, but we're trying to preserve everything and not see that it gets
0: cross-contaminated in any way. Right. Yep. That's the smart thing to do. Oh, look at that.
1: Yep. I went back in the spring, and there's the snow. We were lucky to get in there, but this is the second time I went back there. It's quite a hike and i did some preliminary measurements just to show the r- relative size pictures say a lot of things but when you lay a tape measure on it it starts to give it some value right this was probably one of the most unique cuttings that we found in the rock you can see it's almost shelved off here yep and um i just uh it'll be such a blessing if um, we can get Sean here to, to put his masterful touch on this and, and, bring and like you were saying too,
0: that's not something that the natives of that time, the Native Americans at that time would have been trying to do. Uh, not only the tools, um, but you know you see all those blocks laying around on the ground there. It's clearly a site where somebody was building or had built something. And it's, it's pretty obvious from what you've told us already that that's not something that the Native Americans would have been doing. Or
1: right and it was so it. It, was, it was so important too, to have other people record this mm-hmm. 18 in the 1800s that they didn't have the capabilities of doing this type of ironwork and, mm-hmm. and they just saw no need need for it um, because they were very self-sufficient and um, they they just they they weren't in, into that. Here's another picture. You can see the depth of the stones, the fort, the 90 degrees, the corners. These pictures have not been released before, and uh, Team Templar is 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 providing these as a courtesy, um, because we want people to realize what we're doing is genuine, and mm. we're just not uh, telling spooky stories sitting around the fire. And uh, this. Uh, Brings us to our last photo. So, um, Gary, if you want to take us out, and um, we'll uh, let you get back. Team Templar, thanks you. We'd like to, we just can't thank you enough. Um, You can see we've been trying to be very careful and and lay this out in a systematic way from coming in, meeting people. Uh, Other people verifying information. I got four or five other people who saw the phylacteries, the Teflon rolls, who made comments and gave great descriptions. So it's just not one person. It's outside people putting their hands on this uh, and and able to read the ancient Hebrew and and cite the Bible verses. And I have that Bible verses cited also.
0: Wow. And, you know, and and the fact that you're putting together this team now you've you've added, you know, you've got Gretchen that has so much knowledge on the Templars um, coming into this and so many of the symbols that, you know, the Templars are famous for are known for doing. And now you have the expertise of Sean Williamson coming in and being able to look at this from a stonemason's perspective. It, it just shows that you are how serious you are about this and the fact that you're putting together team and you're I'm, and I'm sure you're adding more people into this team as you go along to be able to get this, uh, you know, documented, looked at and documented by the experts in their own fields, which is just means so much. Um, not only that, but like you said, to preserve this, you have to be a little bit careful, uh, very careful not only to not disclose exactly where these things are, so that they can be researched and and you know and and without having any cross you know contamination from from you know us people going out there and doing things to them, but also the point that you made of the to be absolutely sure of your findings and have it documented by experts prior to you know you know letting this all out now you've given yeah. us this information now to say that i think there's enough evidence to show that there was definitely uh you know a, some templar you know um uh, influence in this area and some of the you know doing these things but um so much more needs to be done right it
1: is and and i say it unashamed unashamedly that the hand of god is on this where mm-hmm. would i find gretchen of all the authors in the world <laughs>
0: yeah, exactly you know uh,
1: you know what, I just pick up the the Templar hotline and call 1-800-TEMPLAR. Uh, give me Gretchen, uh, you know, somebody. Yeah. And all of a sudden, Sean uh, one day is sitting in Scotland and hear this weird guy from Wisconsin wanting to look at a rock.
2: Mm-hmm. Uh,
1: he, he doesn't know me and uh, has no reason to think I'm uh, nothing but a clone on the other end. And as time went on, um, Sean and I uh, developed such a good friendship, and I just admire his knowledge. And mm-hmm. he's so genuine. He's told me stories about his interactions with the Native Americans. And, uh, um, Jeff, you just cannot believe how respectful Gretchen and Sean are uh, to preserve this and, and want
0: to do the right thing. Right, right. And that and that just means to the you know, this adds to the um, uh, the way that you all, you know, ex, you know look into these types of things and uh, the expertise you have, but also the discretion you have to make sure that you're you know, you're covering all the bases. Um, and, and you like you said, bringing in Sean into this uh, with your expertise. I mean, it's clear, like, you know, I'm not a stonemason. But you show that one rock with the the corners cut out of it. I mean, that's clearly, in my mind, that's clearly not nature doing that. And then having, I can't wait for you to get out there, Sean, honestly, so that you can see this with your own eyes and and touch it and see it. And and I don't know how much uncovering of things you've done in that area, but how much more is there that you haven't even seen yet? You there's said you, there's the groundwork has not even
1: been started. Mm-hmm.
2: Um, well, I I asked I did, Sean about. I'm sorry.
1: No, I I just wanted to, uh, excuse me real quick, Gretchen. I just wanted to say, I don't have the knowledge to dig this underground. And I don't think it would be right. Um, I could ruin something or disturb something or bring something into the scene that's not supposed to be there. But when you bring Sean's expertise and his knowledge and maybe other people, they can handle it the right way and preserve this in in the way it should be done.
2: Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, not, not being a stonemason myself, I asked Sean about what I called the keystone that, that was shown uh, moments ago, and he said that looked more like a uh, specialty joint, which would have been guarded as a great secret. Now, I, I, you know, we are all used to seeing uh, pieces of furniture made out of wood, mm-hmm. where you have those joints, right. uh, those splayed joints, but I've never seen one before made out of stone. And I, I would love to find the other piece if that, if that had even been created or what they were intending to do with that. That's quite right. something to create a joint like that. So mm-hmm. it, was, it was really terrific to get Sean's input on, on that uh, because that was something I was unfamiliar with entirely. Yeah. yeah
3: the, the, uh, you know, I I've, I've, I've made a study of ancient stone carving and stone masonry techniques from other civilizations as well and you know the use of tools really i guess from a technician's point of view and that's where i think my you know prospective skills etc might come in use here you know seeing what tools were used seeing the techniques for splitting there's variable techniques depending on what time period it came from but mm-hmm. it's remarkable actually uh, how actual uh, mild steel or tempered steel tools uh, goes from mild steel to, temple, to tempered so that they can cut various types of stone uh, exist over the planet and actually how so many of them are interlinked. And, you know, is it that people were traveling around a lot more than... We've been led to believe over the surface, over the seas. You know, why is a certain technique of stone carving or how to create a huge block of stone or ashlar uh, very similar in one area to another? And, you know, what about this idea of being able to carve stone with other materials like uh, much, much harder stone? And in fact, how did they move them? All these things at the moment are really fascinating, I think, mm-hmm. in a world that's going, I think, in the wrong direction technically. And we're losing, you know, what's going to be left of our civilization on this planet when we look at what's left of these fabulous civilizations, you know, from Rome and Byzantium and mm-hmm. the great cathedrals, what mark are we going to leave on this planet? You know, and I think by looking back, we might might start to look forward. And this project for me uh, releases some of that potential. And I think there's going to be some incredible things discovered uh, via uh, Wayne Murphy's project. And I'm so pleased to be on board with it and tied in with Team Templar. Yep.
0: And and something that you had mentioned you and I had kind of talked about before about some of the techniques that you uh know about from uh older techniques that were used in stone masonry and and that 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 aren't being passed down. So that kind of relates to what you're saying now. Not only, you know, in a, in a way because those those same techniques aren't being passed along unless somebody like yourself is willing to do that. And again, looking at it, you know, what you just said, it's the same thing with looking at that history that we don't want to lose we don't want to lose hold of that because that has led us to where we are and and what kind of thing are we leaving behind it's we got we we must carry those those through to the future we have to or else they're going to be lost forever
3: yeah those those, those techniques you know and it, it all starts in the the stonemason's bible for me and that's mm-hmm. you get a, a a rough very rough piece of stone that's got no sides it's totally irregular and the technique it's all in this it's all in squaring that block that piece off Mm -hmm. to uh you know with your 90 degree sides through through a specific technique that has not changed in probably what three four thousand years Mm -hmm. the exact same technique is being used now but unfortunately even in europe under this present uh, health crisis so much of this stuff is being closed down and these these avenues of craft training and yeah. you know perhaps a project like this will help keep those keep keep them alive and keep this uh, you know keep keep the connections to to our ancient past
0: yep. yeah i couldn't agree more You're right. And we have to do that. And I think that what you're doing here is just to benefit that and keep this uh, um, knowledge going and keep it of interest because people will forget about it. Absolutely. Yeah, definitely.
3: Um,
0: Are we at a point where we can take some questions? I think I know I popped a few up as we were going along there, but there are some questions coming in from some of the members. Would you like to to uh, I could pop them up on the screen Um, and I have. I'll have to take a look at who, uh, unfortunately, on the uh, StreamYard uh, chat that's showing up on the side here, it doesn't, if it's a Facebook user, we don't get to see who it is, and I can help with that a little bit. Um, Let's see. Hey, Jeff, before
1: Uh, we start the questions, I just have one question. I have one question for yourself, sir. Mm -hmm. Did Team Templar disappoint today?
0: Oh, absolutely not. No, I tell you, I'm fired up even more so to want to – uh i i can't wait to i i I know i told you earlier that i would love to go there myself but i understand the the uh the uh, implications of that but honestly when you guys have more information um i i certainly hope that you would come to come to uh, our group or me uh to and and we have you know jack and and linda um uh to be able to bring this forward to the public. I mean, to having this opportunity for me, just, you, you can't imagine what this means to me. Um, not only am I fascinated by it and very interested by it, but you given me the opportunity to help you get some of this out and get the ball rolling on this. Uh, I'm honored by that. I simply am. Thank and no, you. definitely have not disappointed. <laughs> yeah, Team Templar is honored to have yeah. you mm-hmm. as a source to do this. And
2: yeah,
0: Um, So we have, uh, let's see, we have Chuck. Uh, Chuck Bryant was asking uh, this question here. Um, With all your work in Revelations, has mainstream historians and archaeologists looking at uh, giving credence to your work at all, or have you even gone to that level yet?
1: What you're seeing today has never been seen by mainstream. So we're kind of on the cutting edge here, and um, we're using this media format to bring this out. Mm -hmm. And it's been two years in the making. So we're trying to be careful. Mm -hmm. And um, so we, uh, people are studying things that already been found in other countries and looking and relooking and rewriting. These things haven't been discovered, haven't been investigated fully yet. Mm -hmm. These are uh, hard evidence in, in stone.
2: Even the world of uh, accepted academia goes through a process of revision every generation, every 10, 15 years, and that's becoming shorter and shorter, more like five years. They're constantly revising, and uh, each individual that's out there that that is producing a book, uh, they've got a PhD, they've got a master's, uh, traditionally published, what have you, if mm-hmm. they don't bring something new to the table, a new perspective, then it's just uh, rehashing old idea. So, but this is so special that there is original content here. That's mm-hmm. that's almost impossible, and that's why it's important for us to have Sean on side to help us understand what we're looking at, yep. to have the cooperation of the Mohican Reservation. But uh, I I uh, use. Uh, academic sources all the time. Mm -hmm. And we mustn't uh, disassociate ourselves from science or actual uh, rigor, the high standard rigor of academia. Mm -hmm. But what we're doing is taking as much as we can and cross-referencing it with each other. So Wayne has found writings regarding uh, earlier connections and, and objects such as Hebrew scrolls mm-hmm. given given by men of God to to the tribes and and these legends get passed down. Uh, Anthropology and verbal communication through the centuries is a key component of of any study because that's the evidence that's there. So we've got multiple streams of evidence here. We've got the the stone, we've Mm -hmm. got European history and objects all up and down the eastern seaboard. These are all uh, academic, and we're bringing them together to create a fuller picture of what happened on the Mohican Reservation, I hope that answers the question.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: And, and I know that one of the questions was early on. I saw it go by, and I don't remember who asked it. But there was that um, there's a structure on the east on the eastern coastline. It's a tower um, that was constructed, and I don't the
2: Newport that, Tower.
0: Yes, yes. Thank you. The how does that, tower. that? How
2: does that? Well, Yeah, it's round, which is a Templar motif or a Cistercian motif. They're the same Mm -hmm. order. Cistercians uh, uh, or Templars are Cistercians with swords, and uh, it has the archways. and And it's been dismissed as a colonial uh, uh, mill. You know know, why? (laughs) It's a two two story structure, and uh, it has very strange uh, stonework. In it that is keyed to the solstices, the winter solstice in particular. It's along the Hudson Valley uh, inroad. So you've mm-hmm. got the St. Lawrence on the northern side, and then you've got the, uh, the Hudson Valley uh, way to go through uh, on the south Hudson. And here's right. your St. Lawrence River. Those mm-hmm. are the two wet methods uh, land ways that Templars could have gone west. And um, uh, it is a very strange uh, structure. It is, it is, I believe, an observatory and also uh, a Tempar heritage. So yes, absolutely, that, that is there and um, of great significance. So w- Wayne's location is either a dismantled structure Uh, or the beginnings of what could have been a fort or similar structure as Rhode Island. We don't know. Uh, Or the Newport Tower, excuse me. And what I meant to say is is that we're the beginning of the uh, academic uh, spearhead here, and we can bring these other experts in our wake once we establish our evidence, create a picture, and then they can follow in our wake. Mm -hmm. Um, And Sean is the is the beginning of that of that wedge with his uh, uh, knowledge and expertise in that area and archaeology. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no no pressure. No pressure, Sean. (laughs) (laughs) No pressure. (laughs) Well,
3: if you read Andrew Sinclair's The Sword and the Grail and his investigation of that structure, he measures it and. I've got the film of him measuring it as well, and it turns out that it's exactly measured in the Scottish L, which is similar to like three feet. It may be just a bit less or something like that. I can't remember exactly, but uh, why would it be? Why would that be the form of measurement? You know, again. Does this does it relate back to Prince Henry Sinclair, whose main base was in the Orkneys, uh, etc. And is there a connection with that, or is there a greater connection with pre-Columbus uh, uh, ocean faring to the, you know, North America from 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 Scotland, etc. I think I think that that's where the connection is and i think it's you know with wayne's project we're going to be uh, team templar we're going to be able to prove a lot more from now on in sorry i'm just starting to get a little bit tired oh no problem at all i know it's getting late over there we appreciate so much for
0: you uh to stay up with us and and do this um and and we'll try to go through some of the other questions here i know and this is this one came from janet Scorsa. i hope i'm pronouncing that correctly um, and she had asked uh, the question, and she stepped away for just a moment and hoped that uh, she didn't know if it had been covered or not. Um, and I think we know the answer to this, but I'd let you, she was wondering, has the tomb been excavated by archaeologists, uh, and do we know how old it is, and has there been any uh, DNA samples taken of the soil of the floor of the tomb?
1: That, that, that part has not been explored yet. Uh-huh. Um, we, we need the right people on the ground to do that and um, sean has told me his ideas how he can do that so once we have other people in place that will all be looked into a very systematic and very careful way
0: yep and that's exactly right and and i know that as you bring more people into the team um you know to come out and do that sort of thing that's why i had mentioned to you one time about going out there and doing uh taking a uh a, a metal detector and going over that whole area and i'm sure at some point you may get to that but having the archaeologist on on site Who knows what you're gonna find at that point? I'm just fascinated by that, by uh, no end. Um, Let's see, I'm just looking through some other questions here. Um, Let's see. I know uh, Brenda was saying, whoops, I missed something here. Uh, I'm trying to scroll back through this, sorry about that. Um, Looking at some of the questions. Uh, let's see. Oh, okay. Brenda was just saying that she was very thankful that you were sharing some of this stuff with us today. Um, uh, oh, here's one here. Um, has there been, this was Janet again asking about, um, has there been similar carvings found along the east coast of Nova Scotia and Newfoundland? That may not be something that you're working on, but I didn't know if you knew where the answer
2: I don't know what's been. Uh, uh, the Newfoundland site is an accepted uh, uh, Viking uh, ship repair station dated to 1000 AD, and that's uh, uh, significant in itself. But okay. I am not aware of any carvings uh, within the structures uh, at, at this time. Uh, there are Viking carvings underwater now I, I might be getting this wrong that there's a large boulder I it might be off the coast of uh, Boston Maine. Um it's uh, uh, this big boulder it's now underwater covered with Viking runes mm-hmm. and uh, uh, so there are uh, uh, anomalies and, and, and I almost am getting tired of that word we're, we're getting such a broad picture You know, if you're going to go to Newfoundland, uh, uh, you know, heading south, uh, 160 miles to Nova Scotia is is hardly hardly a a walk across. You know, it's it's easy. So Mm. you know, following that coastline all the way down, it's rich in food and resources. You you know, you're you're going to spend some time there, and it and it all it it appears that they did, and of course they they that transmitted. You know, I like to call William the Conqueror who took the English throne in 1066, the last and greatest Viking. And uh, he was of Norse descent. And that that area in uh, Normandy, uh, France, is just adjacent to where Bernard de Clairvaux was born and and went into the Cistercian Abbey uh, in France, the whole northern part of France there. So mm-hmm. you know, it's 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 not a, a far walk. It was just decades later that the Templar Knight Order was was founded in, in the 1100s. So it, it's not that far of a walk. So the two are definitely tied. Um, forgive me, I'm walking. I, I I if you don't if you don't interrupt me, I'll carry on for hours. So. <laughs> no,
3: that's fine. Right?
2: So Sean's getting no. tired, and, and no, I, I no, I'm I'm, all...
3: I'm fine. I'm fine. Carry on, Gretchen, please. I see so, that Tom.
1: <laughs> Tom has got a question there about um, suggesting other places to look. The Kensington Runestone. I was in contact yeah. with some people from out there, and um, we we talked about our site a little bit. I didn't give them a whole lot of information, but what I did is um, I drew a straight line from that site to our site, and they're pretty much right across from each other. Two hundred uh,
2: miles
1: yeah and uh so there is that a connection i'm not sure we we're, we're going to be so busy when we get on site that we'll be able to we'll we'll see where the tracks lead us how does that sound mm-hmm.
2: it's my thought and and it's very possible that there may be other templar related uh, locations Uh, in the uh along the great lakes because they went from east to west it's very possible there are other locations that bear similar marks right and it's possible you know that the kensington runestone i I might be getting this wrong uh there if the translation is correct the date of 1362 or something like that is is on there and and it basically says that you know we we were out hunting or whatever came back and 20 of our number are found dead and bloodied. You know, rest God rest their souls. So uh, uh, perhaps they ran afoul of uh, a, a local tribe that, that was not impressed that they were on their lands or there may have, may have even been a tribal dispute that spilled out in these knights uh, of European descent or, or direct line uh, got caught in a crossfire so you know it's difficult to know but they very well could
1: be yeah there's another story out that I come across I didn't mention was that um, there was an explorer along Lake Michigan and he made contact with the Native Americans in the 1800s or maybe it was even earlier I I didn't research that very deep but they gave him a copper tube copper was bigger on the Great Lakes and it was being mined Mm-hmm. And, and used by Europeans. Well, this copper tube was sealed up. He, to him, it appeared that it had been soldered. Um, is there an earlier term for that? Sean would probably know. But after several years, they finally let him open it up. Well, when he took it out, he found the same Hebrew scrolls that were given to the Stockbridge Indians. Wow.
0: Wow. That's fascinating. <laughs> Let's see. Uh, oh, yeah, there's some folks that were talking about the Newport Tower was covered in America on Earth by Scott, um, you know, and mm-hmm. it, that was talked about a little bit on that particular show. And I do remember that. Um, but again, to think that 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 tower was uh, colonial, I, I just don't I don't see how they can come to that conclusion, quite honestly. But yeah. um, it's certainly fascinating. But like you said too, Gretchen, you know, you were talking about the 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 trip, uh, you know, in in, in You come up with, of course, down the St. Lawrence Seaway coming into the United States that or into North America that way. Um, But like you said, there has to be some evidence left behind by that trip. And that would be very interesting in itself to be able to be able to look for that.
2: Yeah, I think that it very well. They may have been trying to build relay stations to support Mm -hmm. further westward pushes and to establish themselves. And. Uh, Sean, Sean surprised me with his comment, just going back to the stonework. You know, uh-huh. uh, I, I was talking to him about Ross Castle on Nova Scotia. It's a very controversial site. But uh, I mentioned that there doesn't appear to be any, any uh, mortar, cement. And he said, well, they would often use what was around them. And a dry build was, was you know, not uncommon. You, you, you know, where they would use the weight of stone to build a structure right. and hold it together. So yeah. uh, you know, it's likely that there are other locations that have yet to be discovered along the southern uh, edges of the, the Great Lakes leading to the Wisconsin site. I would think that that would be probable. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, because yeah, the Templars so. were were known builders of networks and roads, and and they would mm-hmm. position themselves at crossroads so that mm-hmm. they would know who was coming into the area, who was going out, what were they doing, and they can they charge them uh, uh, money for spending the night with them and have safe harbor there for the night. You know, <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> they were smart.
1: <laughs> right. And the- Go ahead. One of the things that I came across to is uh, one of the Stockbridge legends. I had mentioned it on season, our our first show, um, the legend of corn hair. When Henry Hudson was sailing the Hudson River and came in contact with the Stockbridge Indians and the Mm -hmm. Indians along the the Delaware, the Lenape. And uh, when the Dutch tried to convert them to Christianity, they said, no, no. They were so afraid that that the people in the longboats would come back and punish them. So this would have been hundreds of years before they were even there. Right. So when you when you find that spear point in New York, you, you find the legend of corn here amongst the Stockbridge. Now you find the Hebrew scrolls. I, I, I think our trail is warming up, especially to
0: Wisconsin. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah, I agree with you. Um, and that's going to be interesting to uh, to see how this develops. And I was trying to catch uh, some of the other questions. I may have missed a few. Uh, if I haven't uh, put your question up, please uh, uh, pop it into the uh, chat again, if you don't mind, so that I could... Um, catch that I know there's been so many comments going by and again as I mentioned last time and Gretchen thank you so much I know you spent an awful lot of time going through the the members chats last uh, from part one and answering so many questions that was fantastic and I know the members really really appreciate that uh, very very much so um, uh, and I know I've missed some but I'm asking if people if you have another question Or a question that I haven't um, brought up, uh, please post it again. Uh, I think I'm finally uh, down to the end there. Um, Yeah, there was uh, Mark was talking about the image of the Native American that you had up, Wayne, and he was talking about the tattoos.
1: Mm -hmm. I can bring that up real quick if um, okay, uh, Gary. Gary, he'll punch me in, and um, I'll just see how smart I am with this.
2: (laughs) Hi, Mark. Yep, there it is is there. Yeah.
1: This is the color photo. And I think um, um, with Sean, the advice, I I black and white ties it. And I I think there's, I'll leave that up there so that, um, again, these are, um, uh, these belong, this picture does not belong to us. We are Mm -hmm. using it. So um, this was uh, drawn by a French artist in the 1700s. And his comments were that, this Mi'kmaq warrior um, on the original had European features and light hair and light skinned. and um, But it's definitely, you can see the cross battes, the serpents on the arms.
0: Mm-hmm. Yep. I and the serpents we know are very important, uh, that we found out have been very important to the Templar as well. Now, that's something that I hadn't known uh, until I believe it was Doug, uh, was it Doug Crawl had brought that up on Dad the Curse Crawl. of Island yeah yeah uh, i've
2: yeah i've done a half an hour um Mm -hmm. yeah i did a half an hour video on that which is certainly does not cover the entire scope of the subject Mm -hmm. but if you go to my facebook profile you can find my half hour video there on that and how it relates to the uh castle de la rochefoucauld and the family there but the the serpent in medieval thought is one of eternity. It sheds its skin, you know, so it's a, it's a resurrection symbol. It's um, also a wedding symbol. Mm-hmm. It, uh, uh in fact, uh, Prince Albert gave uh, Queen Victoria an engagement ring of the serpent because guiding its own tail, you know, it's, it's because it's meant to symbolize eternity. And uh, certainly the, the uh, called family—they uh, be- be- thought believed their ancestress was the uh, mermaid uh, Melusine, mm-hmm. uh, who could tr- who turned into a dragon and could fly as well. So, uh, and then you get the Abraxas symbol, of, the, of uh, that was used by a Templar grandmaster in France to seal his documents. Um, in 1224, uh, where you have the body of a man, the head of a rooster, which is quite Mm -hmm. a powerful symbol in medieval thought, and his two legs are serpents. So uh, I do give a rundown of that in brief. Uh, It is a big subject, and, you know, the dragon is is important to Arthurian lore and uh, certainly a a powerful symbol around the world as well. So. Mm.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, I see that Jane has a question up there. Um, the Hebrew scrolls were found in a place called Pittsville. Um, Pittsfield, I'm sorry. And that was in 1812 by a, by a man. Uh, I should have a secretary who can make sense of all this stuff. <laughs> um, Merrick. Um, I turned my pages over. Let's see. I'll try to get to this real quick. 1815, Joseph Merrick of Pittsfield uh, was uh, digging in. A, uh, I find this kind of disturbing for one reason. The inter- the, the, the person that was doing their interview, um, He, it, it almost gives a sense to me that he must have told us Merrick of this, um, this Indian burial graveyard because it was referred to the Indians by Indian Hill. And um, then why he was over there digging around. But he did uncover that scroll, that phylactery or Teflon. So Mm -hmm. um, it was found by somebody else. We were just 200 years too late. That's all.
0: (laughs) And then Mark asked another question about that. Uh, uh, Isn't the Teflon square box they wear on their head during ceremonies? Something I don't know. Uh,
1: Yes, they, um, um, they took it to their clergy. And uh-huh. uh, they go into great detail how it was a uh, small square box, how these were wrapped. There was actually holes in some of the scrolls themselves, which they used to tie them to their foreheads and tie them to their clothes as an outer sign of their uh, their faith. Okay, I'm not a Jewish historian. Um, it's, I'm just kind of passing right.
0: information along. Right. Tom Burns is asking for Sean, um, when you get to see the stones in person, do you think you'll be able to date approximately when they were worked? Uh, And if so, how?
3: Be able to arrive at an estimation based on actual evidence, like uh, tool marks, that type of uh, thing, you know, maybe even... It's it's a long shot, but residue sometimes is left in incised stone. You can uh, you can actually get samples that have left a left of of steel in the cuts itself. That's, it's improbable, but we'll get, we'll, we'll try that. Mm-hmm. And of course, the uh, you know seeing how that main boulder was rolled into the on top of the tomb. Precisely, and as well as what's on, on what, what's, what we can see, the, the incised crosses and the triangles and the cross pate and the fish, then other investigation, I think, will give us an idea of, of an approximation of the timeline of when this activity was taking place. Mm-hmm. You know, there's, we're only on the tip of the iceberg here, so it's, uh, it's all to go for, really right so what's
0: the what's the next step i mean okay so obviously we're winter time and there's nothing going to be going on out there right now um but once the weather and uh hopefully COVID allows um for what's the, what's the next step for you guys and team templar uh, obviously sean coming out but i mean have you already started to plan for this season uh of uh investigations some things we just can't
1: talk about right now. Understand that? <laughs> yeah, I understand. <laughs> and, 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 and I'm not trying to be disrespectful. Nope, nope um, we understand that. Um, Sean is working on things. Gretchen is working on things, and so am I. So, okay. we're we're trying to be as careful and judicious right.
0: and uh, as we can. So. Well, I tell you what, we are certainly looking forward to that next step. Uh, and, and as I mentioned before, we certainly thank you for, for coming out here and sharing this information with you. Uh, it has certainly ignited my fire uh, on what's happening out there. And I just I, I'm hungry now to know more. Uh, and I'm sure that many of us uh, that have seen this now, parts one and two, are. Um, we all are looking forward to more information on this.
2: I, I'm uh, hungry too. I can't <laughs> wait to find out more. I can't wait to get out there and find out what's happening there. <laughs> yeah, I know. And get Sean, get Sean's feet on the ground, and to yeah. explore yeah. areas that we, uh, that Wayne and I were not unable to when I was there. So, um, mm. yeah, I can't wait. <laughs>
0: um, this was a, a question by Robin Floyd, um, with And And I didn't know if this was something that we, I put the question up there, but I didn't know if it was something that, um, talking about the different Templar groups, um, of which region, you know, they were talking about the crosses that were found. Um, I, I'm not aware of, and I, and I know you talked about the different ranks, but are there many different Templar groups or, you know, um, I don't well, know. Is there, like, we different- we yeah. know
2: we know that the order was large throughout throughout Europe. In some cases when thirteen oh seven hit, they they stayed in their respective countries. They did that in Spain, they changed their name to I think the Order of Christ. Mm-hmm. They they were already in Portugal and for all intents and purposes that is a Templar nation kingdom. And of course we know famously they they would have fled to, to Scotland. Um mm-hmm. Uh, so these areas develop their own flavor, if you will. And, uh, and I think the Maltese cross um, uh, is, is uh, quite, or yeah, the, the cross of Malta, the cross of Portugal. So, and as Sean said, the different rankings. But um, it, it may be that, that the uh, cross in, in uh, the tomb, for example, the sword, is. Portuguese, that's possible, um, wow. uh, but you know the Kensington Runestone that that was dated to what, thirteen sixty two, so mm-hmm. that's certainly post uh, tempar historically accepted era. You know these guys, you know, uh, historians all love to say, well, you know, they were all arrested and rounded up and and that was it. No, it wasn't. They didn't get everybody, and if there were twenty thousand knights across the the breadth of Europe. It takes three to six men just to keep one knight on a horse. So you had your landlocked knights, you had your naval uh, capacity, you had large farms. They were in production of, of wine, of, of blacksmithing, of wheat, of uh, roof tiles. You know, they were producing, they were trading within the merchant guilds. They, uh, you could become a member of the of Templar Knights and never sit on a horse. So you know uh, who's a Templar? Yeah. you know, the you know guy, if, just um, the guy on the horse. You know,
1: if um, if if the Templars were um, locked up and put in jail, I better get back on the job and uh, see how they got over here and how they escaped. I guess, huh? Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly <laughs>
0: right. And I, as I mentioned to you before, you know, in in uh, in part one, um, you know, I'm a I'm a total believer that they did come over here. Um, but it's just finding that evidence and putting that all together because, uh, not all of them were put into prison. Not all of them were killed. And if they had been much of their, I'm going to say treasure, but that treasure involves a lot of different things, whether it be actual, you know, monetary or religious artifacts or whatever have yet to be found. So where did all that go? So well, it, it obviously went somewhere, yeah.
1: This, yeah, these, I... um, these areas that we're finding this stuff is laid out rather uniquely that mm-hmm. we're not going to say right now. Mm-hmm. But I understand it's, it, it, well, it's laid out in such a way which ties in to other areas that are all that already been discussed, and Gretchen and Sean and I have talked about this, but um, there is other uh, evidence out there that supports us, and uh, it's quite old.
2: Yes, and if you you get a chance, I highly recommend watching The Lost Templar Relics with Carl Cookson and Hamilton White. They have done a tremendous job. They've spent a decade combing Europe for Templar artifacts. They probably have the largest collection of anyone in the world. And it is a fascinating five-episode season one. Highly recommend you watch that. I learned a great yeah. deal. Uh, I know they're filming season two. And I so look forward to learning more from the two of them about the objects that they have repurchased mm. from, from households across, across Europe. So we do have Templar artifacts, and each one of those, not, not we, but they do, uh, tells a story and history that can hope, hopefully broaden out our understanding right. of what we're facing in Wisconsin. Right.
0: Well, I know that many of the uh, folks are uh, talking about number three, a uh, part three coming up. And and again, as I mentioned to you, uh, as you do get more information and you are ready to release some of that information again, I uh, would love to be the outlet for that. Um, and again, we're also fascinated and I know uh, seeing just some of the things that are coming up here from the members, you know, they are too. Um, and it just it's it, you know it's it's almost like at the end of the season of a of a particular like curse of oak island when it gets to the end of the season now you got to wait all these months for it to come back and you're just yeah. itching for more
2: torture <laughs>
0: torture <laughs> it, it's torture
2: <laughs> absolute
0: torture but, but uh honestly thank you so so very much for coming on here today thank and you. i know that there's going to be more questions popping up in the chat after we get done and as people watch this you know we had a nice group watching today and i thank you so much uh, members for being here on uh, not only on on facebook but on youtube and twitch uh the, the viewers and things that have come up here um very good comments on all 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 the mediums but um what we'd like to do is i know there's going to be more questions popping up as people watch this later um, and they're going to have things that they want to contribute to that. So, again, I ask, when you have time, again, Gretchen, like you did, you were very gracious to do so, um, please feel free to come on and look over those okay. questions that we may have missed, and I know there were some, uh, and yeah. answer those at your will. Um, also, if you would, uh, Gretchen, if you want to, you know, in our group, if you could link that uh, particular season one that you were talking about for us. Um, oh, I don't I know that. if... Yeah, that would be great. Because I know I would, yeah. I, we were talking about that earlier. I would love to uh, watch that myself. So um, that would be great if you could do that. Um, so we could certainly check that out. Yeah. But it looks like we're uh, about done with everybody saying thank you so much. And again, I thank you guys so very much uh, once again, that this has been phenomenal uh, information. And uh, I just cannot wait to see where it goes next. It, you know, It's going to be a hard wait, but I cannot wait for that. Thank you so much, Sean and Wayne and Gretchen um thank you it's been, it's been a great afternoon thank you
3: thank, thank
2: you. you take care of you
3: everybody well, great, great be, great well. To be part of all this bye-bye
2: thank Bye. you very much all right good night <laughs>